0: Hello and welcome to Biographies in American Religious History. I am so excited to introduce to you today one of the most compelling figures in American religious history, an inspiration to me as a woman and as a Christian. I'm talking about Anne Hutchinson, the Puritan woman who held fast to her religious beliefs and her interpretation of scripture. She was put on trial for doing so, and through her ordeal, made an immense impact on not only the religious culture in America, and American history in general. She came to Boston in 1634 with her husband and their 12 children. Once settled in Boston, she, as a deeply religious woman, was encouraged to hold weekly religious study meetings in her home. Now, this was not uncommon. Women often gathered to discuss the, the minister's sermon, read the Bible, and pray for one another. And meetings were initially attended by about five to six women, but very quickly grew to two meetings a week with an audience of around 80, which included men. At one point, she was ordered to stop holding the meetings, an order that she ignored, resulting in a court appearance. And with no right to counsel, she represented herself against the Cambridge-educated governor, John Winthrop. So what exactly was she accused of? In Winthrop's opening line, he lays out three rather vague charges. One, that she, quote, troubled the peace of the commonwealth by expressing her opinions on religious matters. Two, that she had spoken ill of the ministers. And three, that she was holding meetings in her home that were not, quote, unquote, fitting for a woman. So The trial begins with Anne successfully defending herself with unmatched wit and intelligence and knowledge of scripture. Winthrop then focuses on her alleged criticism of local ministers saying that she had accused them of preaching a covenant of works now let me explain a basic tenet of calvinism the basis for puritan beliefs was that salvation is god's free gift it cannot be obtained by any amount of good deeds or works you can't get into heaven because of anything that you do is because god chose you and strongly believed in a covenant of grace so after a little bit of he said, she said, was it said privately or publicly? And after repeated requests from Anne that Winthrop prove that she spoke ill of the ministers publicly, a few of the men that had attended her meetings were called upon and testified against her. But when Anne asked that they do so under oath, they declined. However, John Cotton, a highly regarded minister and Anne's spiritual mentor, did agree to testify under oath. And he testifies that, quote, I did not find her saying that they preach a covenant of works, end quote. So, with testimony, she won, right? It's over. Well, <laughs> while well, still in the courtroom, Anne begins a narration of her spiritual journey. She proclaims that God spoke to her directly and that, quote, the Lord has let me to distinguish between the voice of my beloved, meaning Jesus, and the voice of the Antichrist, end quote. So, in other words, she's saying in a public courtroom that some of the ministers are not preaching correct doctrine and also kind of equating them with the Antichrist. Also, she claims that God spoke directly to her. Now, for someone who is not a minister, especially a woman, to claim an immediate revelation from God was heresy. So why did she do this? She had won. we can only speculate why she did this maybe she wanted a public forum for her beliefs to be documented perhaps she was so moved by the spirit and wanted to inspire others to explore religious perspectives for themselves Um, she happened to be pregnant with her 16th child so maybe she had just simply run out of patience I can relate Uh, regardless Anne was quickly convicted of heresy and sedition. She was put on house arrest to await her church trial, which would take place four months later. So during her incarceration, ministers would come to meet with her, attempting to reform her, get her to recant her beliefs. But also during this time with her, they documented what they believed to be doctrinal errors on Anne's part. Now these errors, there were 30 of them, were presented as evidence at her church trial. Anne's friend and mentor, Minister John Cotton, did not help her this time. He was actually the one who listed and reviewed each and every error and formally admonished her quite harshly, saying, quote, I do admonish you and also charge you in the name of Christ Jesus for the great hurt you have done to the churches, the great dishonor you have brought to Jesus Christ, and the evil that you have done to many a poor soul, end quote. Now remember, this is her spiritual mentor, a man that she greatly admires. So Anne then confesses. She acknowledges that her errors were dangerous and that they were mistakes. So, everything's going to be okay, right? She's confessed, she was wrong, the church is going to forgive her, and move on, right? Yeah, well, she kind of blames the ministers and her accusers of misleading her by saying, quote, I think it needful to acknowledge how I came first to fall into these errors. Instead of looking upon myself, I looked at men." So essentially she's saying that she has more confidence in her own ability to interpret scripture than the ministers. They get sidetracked a little bit, debating about when exactly she held the belief in the errors, was it before or during her incarceration, but the debate abruptly ends when she admits, My judgment is not altered than my expression alters, end quote. So yeah, I'm just telling you fellas what you want to hear. So yeah, Anne's excommunicated from the church. (laughs) Meanwhile, during her incarceration and her church trial, Anne's husband Will and some of her followers find land outside of Massachusetts to settle the Portsmouth Colony, which would later become part of Rhode Island. Inspired by what Anne had had to endure, the colony made freedom of religion one of its first documented rules. Anne is reunited with her husband. She's free to start a new life and able to freely interpret and discuss scripture. Will was later chosen as the governor of the colony about a year later, and Anne and Will enjoyed four years together at Portsmouth before he died in 1641. Now, shortly after Will dies, Anne is visited by ministers that were sent by John Winthrop. When she refuses, once again, to recant her beliefs, They inform her, and some might say threaten her, by insinuating that the Massachusetts Bay Colony would soon take over the land that included Portsmouth. So she flees, moving seven of her children, um, the others were older with families of their own, moves seven of her children to Pelham Bay in New Amsterdam, which was later to be known as the Bronx in New York City. Anne and her family are the only English settlers in the colony, which is led by the Dutch. Now, the Dutch unfortunately had a very violent history with the natives in the area. And one rather unfortunate day in 1643, Anne's neighbors advised her to flee from her home. The natives were coming, that she and her family were in harm's way, but she refuses. Anne and her family were attacked, the house set ablaze, killing everyone in the home. But that's not the end of Anne Hutchinson. She leaves an immeasurable legacy. The Portsmouth Compact which offered religious freedom, was adopted into the Rhode Island Constitution and then later into the U.S. Constitution, guaranteeing the right to freely exercise religious beliefs. This single contribution impacted not only American religious history, but American history. Anne was defiant and a forerunner to the idea that individuals can believe as they choose and may question authority. Anne stepped out of her place as a woman and was deemed unfit for society. She refused to behave in a manner fitting for her sex. She is a rare female voice in a male-dominated history. In this way, she's a feminist icon. Anne demonstrated that women could read, understand, interpret, and preach scripture. She paved the way for many of the female preachers that we listen to today. Her descendants include three presidents, FDR, George H.W. Bush, and, of course, his son, George W. Bush. Anne Hutchinson's confidence in herself was remarkable. Or was it not so much a confidence in herself, but more in a confidence that what she was doing and saying and believing was indeed from God? A Puritan woman in 1637 who had 16 children raised 12 to adulthood, was prominent in her society, served as a nurse and midwife to her community, attended multiple church services a week, and still had the energy to hold two Bible meetings a week for 80 people, she had to have some help from the Lord. Oh, and by the way, Ann was formally pardoned in 1987 by Governor Michael Dukakis, a descendant of Ann's prosecutor, John Winthrop. I hope you enjoyed learning about Anne. Thank you so much.